0: When people say that religion is passe, go to any cosmetics counter of any store and look at the people lining up to buy the latest skin cream. Read the quarterly profit reports of the giant cosmetic companies. Examine the behavior of those who purchase a two-ounce jar of facial conformer. For four ninety five. That's four hundred and ninety five dollars. That supposedly wakes up dormant cells so that they act more youthful, eliminating wrinkles. And then tell me that faith is finished. Those very people who don't consider synagogue dues a good investment because they say they are atheists. Are the ones who pour untold fortunes into tiny jars of cream that promise salvation. What is really being sold in those two ounce jars is faith. Facial conformer for the spiritual nonconformist. The Bible of Botox teaches deliverance. Everlasting youthfulness that stills the footsteps of time, arresting our wrinkles on their inexorable pilgrimage. Even less than in the foxholes, there are no atheists at Bloomingdale's. Even the most skeptical cynic worships the god of beauty at Barney's. Those who are most convinced of a godless universe on Madison Avenue walk three steps in and they suddenly believe in miracles. That's what this week's Torah portion is about. The parsha Tazria in the book of Leviticus is quite astonishing in the vividness of its descriptions of the various bloody discharges and other fluidly leakages that come out of the human body. And then there are two chapters on various skin diseases and eruptions and skin boils and every kind of leprous leaching that, frankly, don't go well with some of the other soaring passages that we so love to read about creation, determination, liberation, revelation. We feel sorry for the B'nai Mitzvah kids who get this parsha. We often think that it's TMI. Too much information you're not talking about that I'm not wrong about that but as you know you soon got over it and we get over it too because within all of these descriptions of hideous skin eruptions pus skinly scales and bodily discharges there is a stunningly profound message. It is the central message of religion. Hope. Life at its most basic level is a cry for help. Help me. Help me. I'm depressed. Help me. I'm alone. Help me. I'm lonely. Help me. I am confused. Help me. I am misunderstood help me, I am outcast, help me, I am vulnerable, help me, I am sick, help me, I have some chronic disease, help me, there is nothing wrong with me, but I need love and attention and self-respect and a sense of purpose and usefulness, help me, I am plain, my skin is unsightly, I have acne or leprosy or some epidermal malformation. And there has to be some social mechanism, some authority, some communal institution that helps, that extends the hand of hope. Because people, being people, are often cold and cruel. And society, being society, is always distant and unattentive. The community, on its own, will never naturally accept unsightly malformations. The Bible describes skin maladies, but the passage is only superficially connected to medicine. As you read it, it dawns on you that the whole point is to give those who are suffering from a disease hope hope that they can live normally in society, that the community will accept them, despite its natural inclination to recoil and reject. The Kwanim, the priests, would examine a person, and if the priests determined that he or she had some kind of malady that rendered them impure in the eyes of the community, such people would be sent outside the camp for a period of time. But the amazing thing was that they were expected to bring them back in. We mostly focus on the removal from the camp, but that's not the central part of the Parsha. The point was that the priests returned the sufferers to their proper place in society. Even if the person still showed outward signs of the disease, The priest would do everything in his power, exploiting every loophole available to him to welcome the person back in. And the coming back in would be marked by a ceremony of welcome back in. What is described as hope, institutionalized through the priests. They weren't doctors. They were not doing medicine. They were doing religion. The Bible teaches that healing is not only a question of science. Medicine cannot cure all that ails us. Good health requires self-acceptance, communal uh, acceptance, attention, love, compassion, and a warm embrace. It is significant that many of the ailments described in the Bible are related to skin. For this is our outer cloak that so influences who we are. It's why we invest so much in cosmetics and plastic surgery. How we look determines how other people look upon us. The community's perspective is usually skin deep. That's all. Our pigmentation alone affects our standing. The creamy smoothness of our dermis purchases the milk of human kindness we drink. We do not usually give enough credence to beauty. It's not politically correct to discuss it, especially nowadays. But in truth, beauty seduces judgment. Aristotle, when asked why beautiful people were frequented longer and more often than plain people, responded, that question is only proper for a blind man. Think about how your personality would be different. How you wouldn't be fully you if instead of your beautiful face you were born plain or made repellent by some malignancy. That every time you walked outside people would Turn away. Would you be you? You might be able to hide what is inside. But we can't hide what is on our skin. And we know what people are like. We have no mercy when it comes to malformation. We know this from schoolyard taunts and internet bullying. We know this from our instinctive withdrawal from those who are challenged, whether they are challenged intellectually, emotionally, or physically. We have the calm, steady demeanor of those who easily tolerate someone else's pain. Perhaps we are fearful that in some way to come into contact with suffering people transposes the suffering on us. We knew early on that AIDS could not be transmitted through casual contact and still parents refused to allow their children to sit in class with kids who had HIV. Whatever may be the reasons, Our instinct is to cast out abnormality away from us as far as possible. We are relentless and merciless about it. That is what would have happened in antiquity. The people would have turned on those with skin malformations, with a vengeance and a cruelty that only humans possess, were it not for the Torah insisting that there is a process that governs the communal reaction to the ill and the suffering. And the arc of this process bends towards hope. You will return to the community. You will be accepted for who you are. And the sole authority to determine this is not the masses but those who embody and represent hope, the spiritual leaders of the community, those who speak eternal words of truth. The fear and rage of the masses will not determine your standing in our community. There is more misery in the sick than there is compassion in the healthy. While individuals can be amazingly compassionate, and I have met many such people in our congregation, it's just incredible to see some of the people that exist in our world and in our community. Still, society is cold and distant. The world just keeps rolling on along. Our public composition is eaten with sickly imperfections, ambition, envy, superstition, cruelty. Our collective morals are weak. We are easily swayed by the crowds. Reason, compassion, and goodness are the first to be shaken by the fear of contagion. Remember just last year how we reacted to the Ebola? epidemic. And that is why it wasn't the people who would determine when an ill person was no longer a threat to the community. We, the priests, will decide. And we are going to bring you back through a public process that compels the community to embrace you, even if they don't like it, even if they are afraid, even if they are resistant. All of us get sick. We are all frail. It is the tender leaves of hope that makes life worthwhile. Hope that we can be restored, not only through medicine. That is for the specialists but through the sweet kiss of acceptance, restoration, hang thy medicine on my lips. We don't pay enough attention to it, but we undergo enormous emotional and even spiritual changes when we are ill, even if it is only a five-day malady, let alone chronic disability and serious illness even if it's just influenza. When we are burning up with fever, we can sense the lights flickering and premonitions of darkness envelop us. It's what the ancients were perceiving. All these diseases described in the book of Leviticus that are subject to the verdict of impurity Discharges of bodily fluids and various skin ailments and eruptions, they're all connected to our sense, unchanged since antiquity, that somehow these point to the escape of the life forces from our body. And how the darkness is beaten back and the light of life is restored when we hear the words surgery was successful. It is as if a heavenly messenger descended from on high to pronounce our day of judgment delayed. Or even how the words we have pulled the rotten tooth dulls the pain of mortality. There never was a philosopher that could endure the toothache patiently, wrote Shakespeare. Even curing a toothache restores the lightness of being, lifting the heaviness that settles upon us. It is this heaviness that the Torah seeks to lift. We cure not by believing in miracles of eternal youth. We cannot stop the march of time. We cannot stop Wrinkle's pilgrimage. But As Albert Camus wrote, once the faintest stirring of hope become possible, the dominion of the plague was ended.